Welcome back. This is season two of the Get In My Garden podcast, and I'm Aaron Moskowitz. Last season, I had to learn a lot about editing and audio engineering while proving and honing the concept of this podcast. In about a year, I produced 25 episodes of varying sound quality with my basic microphone, interviewing very interesting and smart guests from all around the country. Now my setup is a lot better, and I sit down with Dylan Martin again to talk growing mushrooms at home as a beginner and the progression from simple to more advanced methods. Growing mushrooms is so easy, and once you get started, it can become addictive. Dylan and I met on a busy weekend morning at a downtown coffee shop, and it is still really easy to hear us. And I didn't have to spend any time tweaking with the sound, so I'm really happy about that. Hope you enjoy our discussion. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. I will shout you out on the podcast if you like what we're doing here and you leave positive reviews for us. We took a little break to get some new sound equipment, and now here it is. I'm very excited about that. And I've also been thinking a lot about what's going to happen on the podcast. So mycology is like this huge component of everything, including soil health, permaculture, anything related to ecology. So, and you're working right now helping with a startup company, which... That we are. Yeah. And I, I'm going to go ahead and plug that because I think it's something to let people know is happening. We're kind of in the experimental stages of starting a business and... Right now, we we have cultures going, so we're growing a bunch of different um, touted medicinal strains of mushrooms. And so, by the probably by the new year, we will have um, cordyceps fruit bodies and different strains of uh, mycelia grown on organic substrates, so edible substrates. Trying to be as organic as possible. It's pretty hard when you get down to like the auger and things. But yeah, if anybody's super interested, you can get a hold of me at Dylan Ponix at gmail.com so that's d-y-l-a-n-p-o-n-i-c-s like hydroponics um, or you can get a hold of ron adams who is my coworker. his email would be santafemico at gmail.com very um, awesome yeah and what's the market like right now in santa fe not a lot of people are well no one's growing just mycelia um, there are some people at the farmer's market growing shiitakes and oysters and things I would say that the market's going to be pretty receptive to it just because uh, kind of the ethos of Santa Fe is pretty hip to natural foods and quality products that are kind of, you know, woo or out of out of the realm of, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I just think that people will be hip to the mushrooms. But and health food in general. Health food and in general, yeah. So one of my questions about that is what can people do, like if, if they're in any place in the country, to grow mushrooms? Because that's, that's I, I asked you some simple questions about it, and yeah. I didn't realize until I went back to my books, which I hadn't studied so much, yeah. how it can be very simple, but a lot can also go wrong. So is there like a simple four-step plan for someone who wants to grow mushrooms? Oh, man. Or can you show, like somebody who's not going to buy the equipment that costs more money mm-hmm. the simple way for them to participate i guess like the easiest way to grow mushrooms like at your own home would be to find somebody or find a company who sells spawn or starter kits paul stamets and fungi perfecti they just sell grow kits basically that you can buy and it's a big bag of big bag of spawn that you bring home and you help the mushrooms fruit 
Um, they also sell the thing at the co-op that like grow your own mushrooms. I like, can back to back to the roots or back to back to roots, something like that. Oh yeah, that's a super easy way to grow mushrooms if you're not so going to buy any equipment. But what is that exactly? It's like a little kit that's already been inoculated. Yeah, it's already been inoculated. I'm assuming that it's just dried out mycelia or dried out little pieces of spawn inside of a substrate that once you rehydrate it, it's just ready to go and it has everything sterilized, I believe. And so you get it and you just open it up, give it some oxygen, give it some water, give it humidity, and then it kind of takes takes onto the substrate that you're given and then fruits mushrooms. And I've seen a lot of them that are successful, so I would say that's probably the easiest way is to that's just so buy cool. something like that. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that. I think that it's definitely peaking and probably a lot of people have seen that at least at health food stores, maybe even at Whole Foods. So mm-hmm. is that something that you can get multiple fruitings from? Or once it's fruiting, is that kind of it? Um, usually you can get multiple fruitings. But if you're just like putting it on your kitchen counter and like spraying it with a water mister, I, I don't know. I've never bought one. Um, okay. I like am way more intensive and have like bought equipment and have little fruiting chambers at home. So I for sure would get multiple fruitings. But if you you just have to be attentive to it, I think. If you let it dry out, it's going to die. So. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what can go wrong? So it could get dehydrated. And yeah. I think in this climate, it's probably likely. Super easy to, to desiccate yeah. here. Yeah. My fruiting chambers are struggling to stay up to humidity because it's so dry here, especially running your heat during the winter. It's like, it's pretty hard. <laughs> and if, if that's the problem, like in the desert, then does that mean that we have to, are we at higher risk of contamination mm. because we have to continually baby it mm, and open yeah. it up with... I don't know. I don't know if that would necessarily mean it's a higher chance of contamination. I would say I would almost think it'd be less just because there's not already humid areas out in nature and out and around that are already, yeah, things are already growing like up in Minnesota or, you know, somewhere like that. But yeah, I don't know if it, if it would be like that or not. Okay. So that's the first level. You can buy one of those kits. What's next level for somebody? They're more capable of doing a couple more things maybe mm-hmm. i know people can buy spores they could buy mm-hmm. the in or the sterile uh medium right mm-hmm. for is that like a sprout bag is that what that's called um or i guess it would just be like a spawn bag a spawn bag okay. yeah spawn is basically the seed and so buying one of those and I say the next step would be like having giving yourself a little humidity chamber of sorts. Like it could be a Rubbermaid. A lot of people are doing that. I've seen that. Rubbermaids with little airflow in there. And then just basically either buying the spawn still or you can start working on like creating your own spawn, which would, you know, you'd have to buy grain or some sort of substrate that you could start the culture on and then fruit from there. Um, So you could buy just the straight cultures and stuff like that. Kind of where I'm at now is trying to develop just a home lab and fruiting area so that I'm able to do the whole process from beginning to end. So basically from culture to incubation to spawn to more incubation to fruiting. And so that and that's actually taken quite a bit of money <laughs> over I time. I imagine it sounds expensive. Uh, just like anything though, like if you're going to do hydroponics or aquaponics or start a garden, you got to buy plants, you got to buy seeds, you got to buy all this stuff. So Definitely. And like anything uh, too, I think people want to see that they can do it. So yeah. like to start with that most simple method is what they probably want to do. Yeah, well it's exciting. Included. I mean it's exciting to just get a grow kit and just fruit mushrooms at home. I mean in that that was how I did it for a long time because it was just so easy. But you do have to pay attention to it like anything. So it's because yeah. it's, you know, it's a live organism. So if you let it, yeah, if you let it be by itself for too long, it could desiccate and die. I was listening to, uh, well, actually, first of all, I heard Peter McCoy did a startup 
with special mushroom bond bags. So it's almost like a subscription. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's doing the CSA, the Community Supported Ag for Spawn bags. And so that's part of his whole Michael Logos. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, he started that up, I think, last year. Started getting funding for that. And I think they raised over like 80 grand. And so that's for the first mycology school in the country. And so that's a huge deal. And that's in Portland. Yeah, I think the the most recent thing was that you could start buying shares and they would basically send you different spawn bags that you could fruit at home. And so that's a really good idea. I agree. Yeah. And I, I imagine some very special new types of fungi will be available compared to assuming, like... Yeah, I'm assuming they'll have some exotic colors foods? and things like that. I'm not sure though. I haven't I haven't subscribed to it yet. I'm waiting for the classes because the online classes are going to be available. I don't know within the next year. I'm assuming, but that's going to be really cool too because it's going to be live stream and and Peter McCoy knows a lot about fungi, so it'll be. I think those will be good. Oh yeah, classes yeah, will be great for anybody, and you can take it online, which is awesome. So cool. So the person who back to what we were talking about a moment ago, like if they're not going to just buy the inoculated grow bag or I'm, I'm botching all the terminology, but like... Grow kit. The grow yeah. kit, okay. So yeah. the next step would be to get spores of some kind or a culture, right, which could be in a Petri dish, and then inoculate a sterile medium, which is going to have to stay at a certain temperature and a certain level of moisture, and then from that, it will be... It'll create a mycelial mass, right? Mm-hmm. And then after that, you can divide it up once it's full and then put it into another chamber that's moist mm-hmm. like your rubbermaid container and then put more medium and then watch it sprout mushrooms right yeah yeah i guess the hard thing about that is transferring all that mycelia without getting contamination um and that was like the biggest expense for me was getting clean air and getting a laminar flow hood and that was like 800 bucks for like a starter one and that was from fungi perfecti um, but that allows me to do all the culture work without the worry of contamination as much as just like if I were to get culture and then say sterilize a bunch of grains in some jars first of all you have to be able to sterilize it so either you do it in your oven or you get a sterilizer and that's another like 400 bucks right so I would almost say like the next step from the grow kits may be to consider log inoculations because those are pretty you don't really have to worry about them as much because once you once you get fresh logs that are usually like three to six inches in, in diameter, you can buy plugs, which are wooden dowels with mycelia all over it. And then you just basically drill holes in the log, in the fresh log, you know, smash the, the plugs in and then cover everything with wax, all the holes in the ends of the logs. And then you just make sure that those logs don't dry out. It is a waiting game for that one because it takes like a year to incubate some of them. But a lot of people get, you know, great harvest from that i actually inoculated shiitake logs two years ago and my grandpa's just now getting shiitakes like this right this this fall so that was yeah that's but that's in minnesota yeah that's in minnesota so So it was easy because they got like a bunch of rain in june and like throughout the summer and yeah i would say like if if we were if we were to do it here which i haven't done yet a lot of people you could get like a green wood permit and go cut down your own trees and it's a lot of softwoods out here so i would recommend like phoenix oysters or turkey tail mushrooms as those kind of take to softwoods easier and and conifer trees you would get those at the right size and usually it's like 36 inches in diameter and two to three feet long and i would just like put them 
in your garden if you already have irrigation because almost everybody has irrigation here if they're growing something and just make sure that they get sprinkled on the daily that's cool and try not to have them right on the ground just because you know soil organisms will come and eat it you know snails and um, put it on pallets or like on some rocks or something that is just like not right on the soil well my friends are they've tried this and they failed this past year at their farm it was my, uh, Don and Carol who were on this podcast earlier in the oh, year. Oh, cool. They did get the inoculated plugs and put them into a log, mm-hmm. but it, I think it was just too dry. That's they. That's what they think. So they yeah. put it inside of a hoop house, but the hoop house is kind of, it's like a moist, a warm yeah. place filled with all sorts of things. So who knows what will happen next? Okay. Maybe. So they have some in the hoop house now. Yeah, they moved it into the hoop house. Hopefully oh, cool. it has not died, but... And how long ago was that? Was that more than a year ago or less than a year ago? Maybe less than a year ago. Yeah. So, I mean, it, like I said, it's a waiting game. I didn't think that my logs that I inoculated two years ago were going to do anything. And then all of a sudden a bunch of shiitakes came out. So it was like, that was nice. Uh, and those were actually straight on the soil, which I didn't understand at first. I just had them on the soil throughout the winter. They got covered with snow. And, and then I took them out. And one of the things you do with log inoculations is when you want them to fruit or you think that they're, they've incubated enough or they've, the mycelium has spread throughout the log enough, you cold shock them. And so basically you get a big, either a barrel or something of cold water and dunk them in there for 24 hours and keep them submerged for 24 hours so that you really rehydrate the mycelium and rehydrate that log. Um, and that usually induces fruiting. I did that and it took another month or two for it to actually fruit because a lot of mushrooms need a little cold shock um, as far as air temperature goes to produce primordia and start you know growing the actual fruit bodies mm-hmm. yeah that's cool well so what is the temperature range that they need like if somebody's going to do anything of any of the simple methods to try in their home what yeah. temperature is too cold um is too cold yeah that's my first question i would Selfishly. say like below 50 really um, it depends on the strain of course like with king oysters primordia uh formation they recommend i think the stamets one of the stamets books recommends 55 to 65 degrees fahrenheit oh that's to, totally doable in the winter yeah and also a, a cool idea which i'll just throw out there is i went ahead and just modified wine coolers into fruiting chambers and if anybody um, is interested in that. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of YouTube videos and things, but the wine cooler is great because you can just cool the air temp inside of there already because it's already set up to cool. And so that's been really nice because I just hooked up humidity to that and then a temp and humidity controllers. And ba- and basically that allows me to make it the right environment. Interesting. See, yeah. I didn't know that it could be that cold. Yeah, that's just king oysters. I mean, not all of them are like that, like, like spawn run and incubation for a um, like right now, I have Trimedes versicolor, which is turkey tail, going, and they recommend 75 to 85 degrees Fahrenheit for the spawn run. So that's pretty warm. Mm-hmm. Our place is a little, is like in the 70s, but I went ahead and put a seedling mat in there in the wine cooler, and that helps keep it warm. I just see. like just like starting seeds, you want to keep mm-hmm. it warm whenever the spawn is running. And then I, I'll take that out of there, and it usually, and then it, I'll drop the temp uh, whenever I want to start fruiting them. So if it is too cold, which could happen. I guess for some strains, how would somebody fix that? And what would it look like? Would it just be that it, it will still build a mass? It just won't fruit? Like if it was outside or inside or it doesn't matter? Uh, it could be inside in the winter, like and it's 60 degrees with that variety. Might... If it's too cold? Yeah. If it's too cold, then it's just going to take it longer. Really, the mycelia just slows down, just like we all do whenever it gets cold. It, mm-hmm. it just slows it down. And maybe that extra time might make it prone to more 
contamination too. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Yeah, I mean, you definitely leave it up to other things to like take hold, but in those ideal temps of like 70 between 70 and 80 degrees i mean it's right right for everything to grow so yeah i don't know the seedling mats work really well this what you know especially if you have like a a really nice countertop that's like marble or even just tile and stuff like that stuff gets cold um so like seedling mats are great just to set a fruiting bag on while it's while it's going because it's just it prefers human comfort level temperatures so cool yeah so that's level one level two Maybe level three that you just told us about. Yeah, I say the log inoculation is pretty easy. Um, I would say it's comparable to the grow kits and stuff like that. It's just super low tech, and you don't have to worry about it for a year and just uh-huh. hope that it happens. Hopefully, yeah, but not available to someone with like a department. Yeah, like this, I would say the next step would just be to get. A lot of companies just sell starter kits for mycologists, if you will. I mean, they give you like petri dishes and scalpels and inoculation loops, and so like. All the equipment, some some cultures, and a, f- a flow hood, and a pressure sterilizer, and give you all the things to like kind of start your own operation. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I'd say like the next step would be to like get a sterilizer so you can start sterilizing your own spawn and sterilizing your own tools and sterilizing your own auger and get petri dishes so you can start doing culture work in front of a flow hood. Which yeah, the flow hood and the pressure sterilizer were game changers for me. I guess that's the the next step is to get some clean air and get some way to like sterilize things. So that's like definitely next level. I think most people who are starting are going to be like, whoa, I'm not yeah, going to spend I mean, thousands on that stuff. But but it's actually not, it's not too bad. I mean, it's, you know, the sterilizer and the flow hood are definitely the most expensive, but you can, for a thousand bucks, you can get those two things. And then of course you have to have all the other stuff. But once you get spawn going and you keep your own cultures and you have a way to store cultures, um, you don't really have to keep buying things as long as things don't con- get contaminated. So that's nice. This is very cool. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. I will shout you out on the podcast if you like what we're doing here and you leave positive reviews for us. Thanks for listening.